The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Made a morning, Roxy Soxy. Oh, good. Almost my bedtime, Sam and Sir Sock. I am so jealous. <laughs> Why, as parents, do you feel like it's like this is? The, I, I I get very upset at myself for wishing time away. I don't know mm-hmm. if you do this, Roxy, because time is. And we're going to talk to our next guest. We were just talking about the time is pretty much an illusion and a construct. But I get upset because you know every day is a day that you're never going to get back. But I wish for time to go faster so my kids can go to bed so I can just <laughs> chill the F out. So I don't know. Do you do that? Do you find yourself going, oh, it's four o'clock. It's only four o'clock. It's only five o'clock. It's two more hours. Do you feel like you do that? I mean, I definitely do that in as, and it also depends on like the situation of the day. Like right, if right, my right. child is it's just, oh yeah. It's like, it's like, um, okay, bedtime. And because she like sort of is still not like on it with time, like right, it could be right. seven o'clock and I'll be like, oh, it's eight time to go to bed. And like, yeah, it's Christmas today. <laughs> I think I did that once. I think I was like, it's Christmas. And it was like the day after I just couldn't get my shit together. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. And then sometimes too, with the husband, I'm like, isn't it your bedtime? It's time for you to go to bed too. Uh, you know, I'm uh, like, I know I do that with bed. Sean. He's, he does work at night, so mm-hmm. he works until midnight and then he's up at like five and then he's like grump about it. Um, but you know, I'll do this thing and it's so controlling. I'll be like, don't you think it's kind of 1130? Like <laughs> you should be in bed. And he's like, stop controlling me. You're not my mother. I'm like, yeah, but maybe your mother knows the right things to do. <laughs> like, is it controlling or is it just being better than? I mean, it's mother, <laughs> it's mother knows best, right? Come on. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we know what's up. We know what's up. But who's the true. child in the situation with you and with you and your husband? Is it like, do you mother him or does he tell you what to do? He tells me what to do for sure. He Interesting. Is like, yes, yes. He's like, don't you think you should do this? I'm like, Interesting. I really think you should do this and that. Yes. So he oh, will I try to die. parent me. Yes. I would die. I, yes. Do you become like the kid or do you get angry and get like defensive back 
Well, I mean, at that, at like at that point, I'm like, I should be the kid then. No. And I'm going to throw a temper tantrum, you know? Okay. So you go back. Okay. Yes. See, I'm, I'm kind of the parent and I'm kind of like, you should do this. And my husband just, <laughs> poor thing, he's like the victim. <laughs> he's like, okay. Um, and then every now and then he'll like get like, we'll be in a fight and he'll like really be like, and I don't like you telling me what to do, <laughs> but it will take like a two months for him to say that. Um, so I really need to keep it in check and not tell him what to do. <laughs> That's a good, that's a good plan. That's a good plan. And it's not funny that you and David are more similar yeah. in that way. Yeah. Is he, isn't he a Leo? No, he is a Sagittarius. He's a fire sign. Mm-hmm. That's why. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. We roll. <laughs> <laughs> but then you guys, saying. you guys can't live without the air. Air is good, can yes. combust, but earth is yes. what I married, which is like, oh my oh. God, earth just grounds me. But sometimes I don't want to be grounded. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes you want to blow up and explode, right? I mean, come yeah. on. That's yeah. like the fun. We should ask our next guest if she's an air, fire, <gasps> water, or is there only three? Wait, earth. how many signs are there? <laughs> earth. I'm like, it's, it's an early start today. Um, what sign she is and if it really does correlate to her personality. So who do we have on today, Roxy Soxy? Oh, we've got a good one. I'm so excited to have this one. Well, you may know her from the- And if you don't, you're under the rock. Right, you're under the rock because, um, hello, Shadowhunters, Arrow. Like Mm -hmm. she's had some like serious cult classics. She's doing a bunch of movies right now. I mean, she is busy, busy, busy. And I'm and just she's like, so young and I'm like so, so jealous that she's so young and she's done so much. Cause I literally think I only got my first, like change my life job, like a year after her age that she is right now. You know, what is so crazy too. On top of that, she graduated high school at 14 and college at 17. I mean, so she's smart as well. <laughs> Why are we talking to her? Seriously. I feel so shit bad. about myself. <laughs> she's just going to make us look bad. Well, so we just need let to- her do it. Let her do it. <laughs> we need to welcome Kat McNamara to the show. Woo! Hi, thank you so much for having me today. <sighs> uh, smart and beautiful yes. and talented. <laughs> Where, tell us all the bad things so that we yeah. can sleep better at night, please. Uh, I'm very directionally challenged. <sighs> okay. That's I'm okay. usually 180 degrees off. Just okay. Because oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, like. Really bad. Does that also mean like driving directions, like car directions, like trying to get somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. But what it ends up being is I have a lot of random adventures. Mm. Yes. But you know what? I feel like that's not a bad thing. Like, I wish you were like, oh, my right armpit smells really bad. and I can't do anything about it. <laughs> so everyone has to not be around me. But I feel like the directionally challenged thing. I think like I know she's still. <laughs> And she looks at the bright side of things too, because she's like going to have an adventure, you know, and <laughs> all the things, all the things. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a very stubborn optimist. It's very funny. I realized the past year um, watching Ted Lasso because I, I love Ted Lasso and Jason Sudeikis is from Kansas City where I'm from. And I just, I th- think he's, you know, one of the greatest artists we have right now, but in watching that show, I, a lot of my best friends live in England. And so I'm over there all the time. And I've realized that I'm Ted Lasso. I'm the stubborn <laughs> optimist who bakes all the time. Oh, I'm sort of okay it. with it. I love it. <laughs> you know, you say, you said Missouri. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Missouri. My first date with my husband, we've been together 15 years, was at the Applebee's in Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, why is that? 
why did that happen? So my husband's from Missouri and we met on a film. Um, and so that place will have a really, a really big part of, of me is <laughs> Kansas City. And you guys are very nice down there. Yeah, we are. We are. Yes. Well, I'm honored that that happened. <laughs> Momentous occasion. We should make a plaque. Yes, yes. <laughs> You know, it's so interesting, Kat, like your story, because like we said in the intro, graduated high school at 14 and college at 17. And I wonder, because you're like so exceptionally gifted, did you ever feel like an outsider around your peers? I don't know that I'd ever say that because I never Mm. necessarily felt normal. Mm. You know, I, I, I never had a problem being the different one because I was never normal in any way. You know, I, Mm. I, from a really young age, I moved around a lot. And then I was always the new kid. And it ended up in a situation where I had this amazing preschool teacher mm-hmm. who, uh, shout out to Miss Vicky. I'm still friends with her to this day. She absolutely changed my life. Mm-hmm. But she saw that I loved to learn. And she saw that I had this really voracious love of new information and figuring things out. And she fostered mm-hmm. that and just sort of pushed me to do more and to, to keep pushing myself beyond what anyone thought I could achieve. And because I was given that space, I kind of was given a huge gift in that way. Did you, so I'm an actor too. And I, you know, from day one, I wanted to be an actor from two, three years old, four years old. I wanted to entertain. I don't know if it was because when I entertained, I got um, attention and maybe I was addicted, whatever we can go psychologically back, back, back. But I've always wanted to entertain people and make them laugh and make them cry and make them feel something. Do you, was it always something that was your intention? Is it something that you dreamed about when you're at school or is it something that you fell into and how did you fall into it, if that's the case? So I grew up in a family of science and medical professionals. So I loved, I used to watch all the old Hollywood movies with my grandfather as a kid, but I didn't even really know that being an actor was a job. I just thought- right. It doesn't feel like it. I don't even know <laughs> what I thought. I just, I, I it, it wasn't something that was really conscious in, in my world. And I wanted to be an economist. I loved math. I developmental economics was my dream. That's all I wanted to do with my life. Um, and I, you know, I was a huge math nerd and I used to subscribe to all these magazines and that's all I wanted to do. And, uh, I ran into a family friend who was directing a community theater show and needed a dancer. Mm-hmm. I'd done ballet my whole life as a hobby. It was my creative outlet. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was the kid who would try anything. I was like, sure, I'll do something different for the summer. Why not? It'll be, you know, a new experience, see what this is all about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I remember so distinctly walking on stage on opening night and I had one of those rare moments of clarity in life when you something hits you like a brick wall and you're just so certain mm-hmm. of nothing else. It's like mm-hmm. I had tunnel vision all of a sudden that I was put on this earth to tell stories. Mm-hmm. And that's all I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And it was so clear to me and I don't know why or how, but I've never looked back. Mm. Oh, that's so interesting. You know, um, it's funny that you, you're saying you come from like a science background. Cause I too, um, come from a science background. My dad's a doctor. Um, and I know like a lot of times when you come from like a medical or a science background, 
you're kind of like expected to go in the family business, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> keep the mm-hmm. tradition alive, right? Like yeah. go to med school and like do the whole thing. So what was like your parents and your family's reaction when you said, I want to be an actor, like something different, you know? Well, they'd already kind of gotten over that when I said I wanted to be an economist. So like, <laughs> okay, it's fine. She's the black sheep of the family. We get it. Uh, uh, but then when I found acting, they, they were very supportive, of course. And the one thing they said is just, just make sure you get a college education. Mm-hmm. Just go to school for something and have that under your belt because you will never regret educating yourself. Mm-hmm. And I agreed, obviously I love school. I'm a big mm-hmm. old bird, worked for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I slowly but surely fell in love. But the most, the most gratifying thing and, and something I'm so grateful for is watching my family realize that this is a career and that this is a sustainable mm-hmm. career. And it's something that they now take really seriously and, and find fascinating because it's a world mm-hmm. they know about, but it, it's amazing to sort of see that shift in a, you know, a family from a small town in Missouri going, mm-hmm. oh yeah, no, this is actually, this is a career. This is a business. Mm-hmm. This is something that you can do. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not the fun thing you're doing until you figure out and grow up, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's amazing to see that. And also, I mean, I did go to school for business, which is something I'm so grateful to have under my belt. And, mm-hmm. and that's why I try and advocate for education so much. But, uh, you know, it's it's also really fun to go home and be equally as fascinated by their world and kind of know nothing about science. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Mm-hmm. I know I know enough to get by it, you know, <laughs> in our conversations and to understand it. But you know, there are occasions where I have to ask for a translation from the clinical to the (laughs) (laughs) terms. Well, you definitely seem that you, like, that you have not gone under. When, when I say that, it's like with Hollywood, you know, I was on a show and I've watched girls just be sucked into the falseness and the yes people. And, you know, Hollywood can really eat you up, spit you out, give you eating issues, give you emotional issues. It's, you really have to navigate that world with a really strong head on your shoulders, but also a perspective. You need to put Hollywood over here and then you don't Mm. fall into that whole, um, the dark side of Hollywood, Mm. you know? And I've seen so many girls do that. So why do you think that you've been able to treat it like a job and something that you love and not get sucked into the rest of it? Because it's easy to do, mm-hmm. you know, it really is. And the people that don't, they're the lucky ones. Mm-hmm. Well, and I see it more and more now, even outside the industry with a lot of the aspects of social media, especially mm-hmm. kids that are growing up with it. You know, I didn't grow up with social media. It, yeah. I mm-hmm. started using it for work. And then, you know, now obviously we all use it for social things, but mm-hmm. it's just interesting to see those perceptions shift and the the value that's placed on the external as opposed mm-hmm. to the internal in, in a lot of areas of our world now. But I feel really lucky because my, my family always kept me really grounded mm-hmm. and just having, you know, I grew up in a family of, of a lot of women who are amazing and have such incredible careers and are so driven in whatever it is that their passion is in life Mm -hmm. but they're also amazing moms and sisters and cousins and aunts and Mm -hmm. it was never a 
you can be, you can have a career or you can have a family. Mm-hmm. If, if you work hard enough, you can have whatever you want in life and you can, you can make your life what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. And so having that always reminded me to keep working hard and to remember why I love what I do. Mm-hmm. But also I've, I've been surrounded by some really amazing friends along the way and, and some really incredible mentors that I always seek out the genuine and I seek out the real in people. And that's not always easy to find, but particularly, you know, as you know, doing young adult TV, mm-hmm. it's a crazy world and you're on this roller coaster together and you're with the people you're with all the time. I was so lucky on Shadowhunters. Our cast was incredible. Mm-hmm. It's I had five big brothers basically on that show. Mm-hmm. And we all gave each other trouble about everything. We kept each other grounded. Mm-hmm. Nobody lost their mind. Nobody ended up mm-hmm. a different person by the end of it. In fact, we all mm-hmm. grew closer and grew as individuals um, mm-hmm. and grew with each other in a lot of ways. And that It was such a, it really bonded us in a lot of ways and, and kept us all remembering where we started Mm -hmm. you know I think along with that too Tamman like just to like pick up on your point is that Mm -hmm. also there's like a contingency in Hollywood that somehow manages to kind of maintain their privacy you know and Mm -hmm. not become like tabloid fodder and like kind of all over the place and you know talked about every week and I actually think both of you guys have done well with that you know it's like you guys, neither one of you ended up sort of like, you know, are you sure Roxy? (laughs) I have a lot of issues that I talk in therapy (laughs) through. So are you sure? But I mean, you know, like, I mean, yes, we didn't go down the drugs and alcohol route, but there's a lot of like self doubt. And there's a lot of, for me, there's, yeah, there's stuff, but I mean, you guys have also been able to manage like privacy too. You know what I mean? Like there's like, you know, a lot of the girls that came up with you guys, like, and a lot of the guys too, same with the guys, you know I mean? They ended up, you know, you can't pick up like a magazine without seeing somebody's face or like, look at somebody's website, you know? So it's interesting to me, is that like a conscious decision that you guys made, like going into it? Like, okay, like we're going to do what we public facing, you know, the things that we have to do for work, but then are we going to just kind of still maintain, you know, that private life also? Hmm. Was it like a conscious thing or is it like just how it kind of played out? I don't know. What do you think, Tamman? I mean, for me, I think it was what your role and what you've done in your career Um, you were front and center of your show. I was not. So I was a a character that came in that kind of threw some, kind of tussled the scenery around and was a very memorable character. But I was not front and center of the show. I believe if I was front and center of the show, my life would be different when it came to my privacy. But Kat is front and center of her show. So I'm I'm assuming that, you know, she probably doesn't have as much privacy as someone like me does. Mm. Um, and, you know, that comes with a lot of, I mean, when I first started in Australia on Home and Away, I was front and center mm-hmm. and it, it does take a lot from you, your, your privacy and your anonymity. Um, anonymity does affect you ultimately down the line. Like you can't just go out and just, you know, put your sweats on and your hat backwards because there are paparazzi, or at least there was 
in the beginning of my career, but I'm sure Kat deals with that now. And it, it is not always, you know, people think fame is this wonderful thing, yeah. but they haven't really tasted it. You know, they don't know what that tastes like. It's wonderful to be recognized for your work, but fame is a whole nother beast. I mean, the majority of what I've had in my experience has been interacting with the fandom and, mm -hmm. and hearing the most wonderful stories. You know, I, mm -hmm. I grew up reading YA novels mm -hmm. and watching superhero movies and seeing what those characters meant to me as a kid mm -hmm. and, and the characters that I attached to in literature and all of these things. Being on the other end of that and, and having these kids come up and they're not kids. I call them kids. They feel like my kids mm -hmm. <laughs> having them come up and, and tell me their journey and their story and mm -hmm. what parts mm -hmm. of their lives they got through with the story and with this fandom. And, and really, I mean, the Shadowhunters fandom in particular has created mm -hmm. just such a beautiful community surrounding mm -hmm. that. I, I will do anything for those kids. And I don't know. I, I try, honestly, I try and keep the drama in my life between action and cut and the rest mm -hmm. of it. I'm so drama averse that I think I'm just not very interesting to paparazzi. <laughs> I think I think the most scandalous thing that happened is I, the hair salon that I used to go to was right down the street from like a paparazzi hotspot in LA. Mm -hmm. And I think I got caught coming out of the hair salon once looking like a drowned rat. And uh, <laughs> those pictures weren't great. And that, you know, you just kind of go, well, that's, the internet now um okay yeah oh well <laughs> tomorrow it'll be somebody else and hopefully people will forget and if not you know we all look silly sometimes but it's it's one of those things that I've I've tried I guess I've tried just to be drama averse and yeah. you know not everyone is is able to do that and that's just life everybody has things that they go through and deal with but mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, yeah. I, I'm not very interesting to, to scandalous tabloids, I guess. <laughs> what do you feel like about the pressure though, that is placed on women in Hollywood? Because I know we are trying to, the, the narrative is changing. That's for sure. But it's still there. You know, we still have the filters and we still have the photo tune, the, the Photoshop and we still have the face tune. And we, we still, you know, I, I'm in my thirties and, and I, when I was your age, it was like, I'll never consider Botox. I'll never consider fillers. I'll never, and I haven't done it yet. But as you get older and you're in this business, I mean, you don't know that. Um, but, but, but when you're in this business, especially, you start looking at yourself in the mirror and you're like, whoa, like this is not what people are seeing on camera because so many people are doing things that becomes the norm. And so when you don't do anything, um, then you're the one who's aging you know, too fast or there's, you know, you look tired or you don't get as many roles because you don't look as young. And I remember writing an essay for a newspaper about like mm. getting Botox and what it tells our children, because I was so mm. adamant at 30 years old that I was not going to get Botox. But those messages that women are not worthy of like when they get older and they mm. start to become invisible are so loud that it starts to affect, it does start to affect you as a woman. Mm -hmm. You know, my husband has never once thought about him get like, sometimes he'll say like, oh, I hate getting older. My body starts is sore, but he's never once said like, oh, I can't stand this wrinkle on my forehead, mm -hmm. you know? And I just wonder, do you feel that pressure? I mean, obviously you're young and beautiful, but you know, time marches on for all of us. Mm -hmm. Right. And do you feel that pressure to stay looking the same? Mm. I don't know that I've necessarily felt that pressure 
yet. I mean, I, I definitely know that I, I've played a lot of roles that are very physical. And mm -hmm. I know that even just physically to be able to do the things that I want to do with these characters, I've worked really hard. It's, mm -hmm. and, and fitness has become a huge part of my life, but it's also for me as a person and how I feel internally, mm -hmm. as well as how I feel about myself externally, it's been, it's changed my life in the most positive of ways. Mm -hmm. um, but I also, I'm very motivated by those things. I've always been an athlete. I've always been someone who likes being active and loves mm -hmm. doing that. And I, my, my mind works faster. My body feels better. I have more energy. And I know that's not the case for everyone. And, and, you know, it's, it, I, I try because I see so many people go through this mm -hmm. and we all have things about our body that we don't like. We all have mm -hmm. things about us that make us insecure. And that's just part of being human. But that's also part of what I guess I've been working on a lot of my life because when it comes to school and work, I can be very much a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I want to do everything 100% correctly. I want to learn all the information. I want to do every job to the utmost of my ability. Mm -hmm. and and if not I've had to really learn not to beat myself up about it mm -hmm. and I still I still have to remind myself of that from time to time mm -hmm. and I think that goes for for what you're talking about as well you know you have mm -hmm. to constantly remind yourself that we are all beautiful in our own way and and if we all looked the same the world wouldn't be a beautiful place anymore mm -hmm. so what do you do like because we all have those days where we're just like uh like I just look in the mirror sometimes and I'm not happy with what I see. And it's like, or it's just like a day that I feel bummed out, you know, about something. What, like, what kind of gets you through those days? Like, is there, is there something that you like, is there like a go-to for you or like, how do you sort of get through those periods? It's funny because when you're busy all the time or working right. or life is just a lot mm -hmm. as it's been for all of us in the last couple of years, sometimes it feels cumbersome to even find whatever that is. Mm -hmm. For me, it's always been fitness or just mm -hmm. getting outside, change of pace. Mm -hmm. But I find that my workouts for me are my me time. That's the time in the day where I put in a podcast, an audiobook. I turn on whatever show I'm watching at the time. And I take that bit of time, whether it's 10 minutes or an hour or, you know, two hours, if I'm really going crazy and having <laughs> a good time. And that's my time to do something good for me, do mm -hmm. something that I know is going to be a benefit to my mind, to my body, to myself inside and outside. Mm. And even if you do 10 minutes or go for a walk around the block, mm -hmm. you get some fresh air, you get a change of pace, you break whatever cycle you're in and you've done something good for yourself mm -hmm. so how can you not feel just that much better yeah oh yeah I I exercise 100% for my mental health mm -hmm. like it's not even really for my physical it probably should be <laughs> um but when have I been have been working out a lot in Australia Tam well yeah I had to do that new tv show and I had to be in like yeah. literally next to yeah. like no clothes like literally I mean I did have clothes on but barely um and I, we just came out of, you know, lockdown. So everything was just not in the same, but I was working out a lot, but I had to be very careful because I come from an, I had an eating disorder, um, when I was on, um, uh, home and away. And when I started my career from 16 to 23, I think. So to be very careful to not start to become obsessive. Um, so I've been working out and eating well, but the minute I'm like, 
depriving myself, I have to watch those triggers. Um, because you know, your past pain doesn't always, and your past issues don't just go away. They're still Mm. dormant. Um, so I've definitely had to be, you know, careful about that. See, my biggest issue, and I'm going to talk to Kat about this is like, when I audition, I have a big thing about, cause I want the job so much that I almost talk myself out of the job. And I almost think I won't get that. Or, you know, what am I doing? I, that's not a good audition. And I feel like, and we talk about manifestation a lot, Roxy, I feel like I almost manifest it not happening, even if it would have happened. Um, and even, you know, Pretty Little Liars, I walked out. So maybe manifestation isn't true because I walked out of Pretty Little Liars and I called my agent and I was like, I'm done. I'm giving up acting. Like I'm never <laughs> acting again. It was, I literally, when I was auditioning for the role, while the audition was happening, I said to the entire people in there, I was like, guys, that was probably the worst audition I've ever done. Um, if you like, and I think they thought I was joking. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think they thought I was funny because everyone laughed or they were awkward about it. I was like, I'm just going to see myself out because I am so embarrassed. Um, and then they called a day later and then like, would you like to play this role, Jenna, on Pretty Little Liars? Um, so for me, like, I just talk myself out of doing a good job. So mm. talk me through cat auditioning. And, you know, obviously you've gone from one show to the next show to the next show. So you must be putting positive vibes out there. Or do you negatively talk to yourself when you're doing the audition? Are you someone who does the audition like 10 times to keep getting it perfect? Or are you just like, you know what? Screw it. I did one. I think it is what it is. If it's mine, it's mine. What's your process? I mean, especially with this industry, I am a firm believer in the fact that if a job is meant to be yours, it will be. Mm-hmm. And if not, there was a reason that it, it, it wasn't for you. And there's mm-hmm. something else out there that is meant to be yours, that if you'd gotten this, you know, everything happens for a reason. And, and we may never know what that reason is, but, you know, just go whole life and see where it takes you has kind of always been my philosophy but I I was told by one of the first people this actor in Kansas City who was like the first person to ever help me know how to audition or how to do this because I didn't know what I was doing Mm -hmm. I remember she said to me always remember that an actor's job is to audition it's not to get the job your job is auditioning Mm -hmm. you go in that room and for those 10 minutes that's your performance. You do what you love. You give everything you've got in that character and then you leave it in the room and you walk out and that you've done your job. Mm -hmm. If it comes back to you, amazing. And if it doesn't, you've got more jobs to do. Mm -hmm. And I've always thought about it that way. Yeah. Have you ever flubbed your lines in an audition? Like, you you know, when, you know, when your, your brain, you know, (laughs) those brain days where you're just like, I remember doing an audition. I knew it so well. And I went in, I just like went completely blank. Like just so blank. And it's so embarrassing because literally everyone's just staring at you. It's the worst feeling. Have you ever done that? Oh, of course. Like it happens to the best of us because you never, especially during things, you know, pilot season, the, the, season for those that don't know the season of time where a lot of different shows used to audition and all the networks would be casting their new pilots to test out new shows you would have like four auditions a day and mm-hmm. constantly be getting new sides and they send you 10 new pages an hour before your audition and you're just I memorize very quickly but everybody makes mistakes mm-hmm. um but you just roll with it and sometimes look don't feel so bad about your pretty little liars audition (laughs) no but seriously changed my life (laughs) one of my final auditions for shadow hunters I literally walked into a wall 
<laughs> but that's because that, then you're memorable. Like they'll be like, "Oh, we like the girl who walks into the wall." <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like when I auditioned for my husband's one. movie, I remember like it was a scary when I my husband was the director of the movie that I met him on, and I I was a horror movie, and I kept mo- like I kept screaming. I'd be like, "No, don't, don't kill him, don't kill him!" And then as, as I was like, I obviously hopefully better than that. And as I was like walking backwards, I'd keep turning the light off, ah! and it happened like four times. And they thought it was like me trying to be dramatic, but honestly. I just kept banging into the light and that cut and Sean, my husband was like, well, that girl's really cute. Like she's cool. <laughs> but I just kept making mistake after mistake, but you know, maybe mistakes are, that's what makes us humble. Maybe they're not mistakes. Interesting. Maybe it's not a maybe mistake. They're not. Maybe you we know? manifested it, Roxy. Right. <laughs> you found your man. You got your man. Um, but yeah, no, it's so fascinating to me too, because you guys have both actually been on these big shows, right? And obviously they've come to an end, right? So what, what is that like? I mean, Kat, you had like two really big shows come to an end, like what, within a year of each other, like 2020 and 2019, like how do you, was there like, did you go through any like sort of depression or like, were you down at all? Or was it like, you just kind of, you know, moved on to the next? It's interesting because I I was very used to popping in and out of shows and Mm -hmm doing, you know, movies where you're there for three months and then it's over and you know that it's coming to an end. Mm. Shadowhunters was very different for me because Mm. I was, not only was I there from day one and we built this whole world and the fandom and my entire life changed, but it was also, I started that show when I was 19 Mm. and it finished when I was 23. Mm. And that is such a formative part of your life. And I, I realized as the show was coming to an end, I didn't know what being an adult was like without show Mm. and without this character as as sort of being in the forefront of my mind at all times and I had to go I was such a different person before the show in so many ways and I have had so many more experiences and I've grown so much and I've changed fundamentally who am I now what does this mean and uh I I it was daunting for sure but kind of exciting because it, it was a blank slate in a lot of ways. And then I ended up going on to Arrow almost immediately after. And that was mm. the biggest gift because I didn't have a chance to think too much about what I was leaving behind and what was, you know, mm-hmm. obviously we all cried and we did our, you know, mm-hmm. we said our goodbyes. We stayed up all night at the rat party. Didn't leave till 7 a.m. It was fantastic. <laughs> Um, but you know, I, I went straight into Arrow and then right after Arrow, I was on the set of the stand in Vancouver. So not much had changed. I just had pink hair all of a sudden and, uh, it, you know, and then, the, and then COVID happened. Oh, yeah. And so everything came to a halt, mm-hmm. but, uh, it, it's been kind of a wild tumult up until this past year, but, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's been, I'm very, very grateful. I'll say that much. Mm. Is there a job or a character or something that you would like to do in your future, whether it's something in the period piece world or Shakespeare or whatever it is, um, is there something that you would love to do? I mean, I have a list a mile long and (laughs) and I think that's just sort of by nature of the fact that I, my favorite part of my job is being a chameleon. And getting to live a million different lives and sort of mm. mold and shape parts of myself into something completely different mm. to see if I can even do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and knowing that no matter how daunting it is, that I will find a way to rise to the challenge and I'll grow from it. And that's 
it's exciting to step out of your comfort zone in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, Gosh, I'd love to do a period piece. I'd love to go back and do Broadway again. I would love to do a movie musical. I would love to, you know, I'd love to direct. I'm I'm sort of Mm -hmm. trying to stretch and reach and do whatever I can to push myself creatively. What about you, Mm -hmm. Tammy? What what have you not gotten to do? You've done so much. What have you not gotten to do yet? Oh, everything. (laughs) Um, No. My husband and I created a TV show. We shot 10 episodes a couple years ago, actually, and it was released in Australia, but it's about to be released in the States. And my dream and hope is that show becomes what we we want it to be. We wrote it together. We co-directed it. I mean, he, he would direct an episode. I would direct an episode. It's very loosely based on my experience in my life, um, starting very young in Australia, coming to the States and really no one giving a shit, really. I mean, I did not go from job to job. I went through the muck and I really had to pull myself out of a lot of self-doubt and pain and kind of get back on my feet. That's really what the show is about. It's that universal theme of starting again, um, laced with some very absurd characters. And it's very funny, but also makes you cry. And that show is just everything to me. Um, hopefully my husband too. But if, if that can continue to get like a second, third and fourth season after the first season, then that that would be something that I really want to do right now in my life, which is really create a show from the beginning um, to the end and have some kind of you know control. You know, sometimes I think like, you know, as actors, we do, we want that control, but we're living, like, we don't really, we can only really contr- can, can control what we can and the rest we have to give it up, you know? Um, and to be able to control, control something like this show is, is, would be everything, you know? But I'm really, I'm like you right now. Like, you know, you, you seem that you feel grateful and open and willing to accept the world's opportunities that is going to be given to you. And I think that that's when your life changes even more than it already has. And that's when your true happiness is, you know, found is through gratitude um, so I'm really just open and it feels scary as you get older. We're a lot older than you. When you get older, being open does, I mean, Roxy, it feels, it doesn't feel safe. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're 25 and you can kind of screw my French fuck up and fall over a few more times and build yourself back up. But when you get older and you have kids, you feel like you don't have as much time mm-hmm. to fall, right. Or mm-hmm. to mess up or to start over. And so I feel like it's a little nerve wracking, but I think that that's where the best, the best things come. Right, Rox? <laughs> oh yes, baby. Roxy's very afraid of being vulnerable. <laughs> I am. I am. I really hate that place. And like through, especially like through the podcast and just like getting older and like being faced with like certain things. I mean, we've all, we went through, a cra- everybody went through a crazy phase, you know, with COVID and all that stuff. But I think too, just, you know, for a better quality of life, it's like, you have to put yourself out there. You have to be vulnerable, which is like one of the big things I'm learning right now. Um, but I think it's, you know, too, to be like an actor too, you have to be able to live with a certain amount of unpredictability, you know, like Mm -hmm. you have to be really flexible and kind of, you know, be able to go, go, go. And I think that too takes a special person. 
you know, wouldn't you yeah. agree? I feel like it's a, it's also like a personality thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. I right. Think it is. I think, I think there's something beautiful about maintaining the, the childlike sense of wonder and play about the world in that. And, you know, always, and I think that's why, cause I'm such a perpetual student as well. Mm-hmm. Just that curiosity of humanity, I, I think is, is such a lovely thing that we get to constantly keep alive in what we do. But going back to what you were saying about vulnerability, I, mm-hmm. I heard this amazing talk around new year's one year, and it, I can't remember if it was Brene Brown or somebody else, mm-hmm. but there was a whole talk about being vulnerable to joy. And mm-hmm. That struck me so much at the time because, you know, I'm, I'm always the person that's like, yep, we can do it. We got it. It's good. It's going to be fine. I'll make it work. But there are times where it's, you know, life has its ups and downs and it's supposed Mm -hmm. to, but -hmm. it's about how you get through them. But if you're not open Mm -hmm. and you're not vulnerable to joy, you're not open to anything. And yeah, you Mm -hmm. might, you might get hurt sometimes and you might fall down sometimes and you might do all of that. But if you put your walls up and you completely shield yourself from everything, mm-hmm. think about how many opportunities you miss out on to experience joy and, you know, all of the incredible, beautiful, wonderful things that the world has to offer as well. Do you consider mm-hmm. yourself vulnerable? Do you like consider that you, you know, you yourself like let your guard down? It depends. Yeah, I can be. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I love to be, I mean, obviously with what we do, it's, mm-hmm when you allow yourself to be vulnerable, Mm. that's when the magic happens. And when Mm -hmm. you can let your guard down, that's when it blossoms. Mm -hmm. And that's that's Mm -hmm. the goal, that's the magic. That's what we work so hard to achieve. Mm -hmm. But I also very much, I'm, I'm the, the can do person, you know, I I want to, I want to make it work and we'll get through it and we'll, we'll make it fine and I'll fix it and it'll be great, Mm -hmm. which sometimes the stubborn optimism can lead to not being as vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a toss up, but it's something that, that I'm, I'm cognizant of, especially recently. Mm-hmm. My husband is definitely the fix a yeah. guy, but I think that that comes from, and this might not be the case for you, but I think that comes from his own trauma when he grew up, um, single mom, like feeling like he had a lot of, you know, uh, he had to be something, so he wants to fix the problem all the time, but it can be detrimental because sometimes I don't want him to fix it. <laughs> you know, like, I just want him to listen to me. I just want him to like, I want to say like, Hey, this is what's bothering me. And I want him to go like, I understand. I don't want to go. Okay. So this is what we're going to do. You know what I mean? Does, does David do that? I mean, he, yeah. He's no, very- he's the other, you said <laughs> You said he's the one that tells you what to do. Yes, he tells me what to do. He's very contrite. Like when I have a problem and I go to him with something, well, he, and he's like, oh, well, why don't you just do it like that? Like he's kind of like Sean in that way where he's like, right, fix why it. don't you just do it like this? Yeah, like a fix it. And I'm like, no, because he is like one of those that's like, why do you want to repeat something over and over again? Or why do you want to beat a dead horse? Or like, why do you want to like <laughs> go through it this way when you can do it this way? And it's, it's so funny to me because I'm like, like you're saying, I kind of want to just like wallow in it for a minute. Like, I, I know, just, you know what I mean? Like, I just want to wallow. Let and, me bitch yes, for a second. Let me bitch. And he's just like, so like black and white when it comes to that. He's like, just fix it. Like do it this way, like fix it and do it that but I'm like, yeah. no, that's not what I want right now. You know? I know. So Kat, what is, and we won't go too in depth because I, you're probably 
don't want us to, but um, <laughs> how, how, how is it trying to find love when you're working all the time? And I mean, you're around, <laughs> like, I actually don't think other than my husband, I actually don't think may, no, maybe one. I don't think in my career, I actually dated anyone on set. No, because it's almost I like know two. One, I know one. You yeah, we're not telling. Me. Yes, but like for a second, yes. Um, good one. <laughs> good one. <laughs> He's a very good one. Um, but do you find it's easy to meet people in relationships, like being doing what you do? I. It's interesting because I have. I'm very much married to my job, mm-hmm. and I love what I do, and I'm a total workaholic, which leads to connecting with a lot of other people that feel the same way, Mm. but it also tends to make schedules hard. That being said, I've, I've had some really lovely, amazing relationships, some people that I've connected with that even haven't turned into relationships, but it's not, it's not easy. I wouldn't say it's Mm -hmm. easy, but it's not supposed to be. And I, you know, I, again, I'm a firm believer in all things like happen as they're supposed to, but I, mm-hmm. I also, I don't like the games that people play with dating mm-hmm. now. And mm-hmm. I just, it's that I think is the hardest part is trying to find the, the genuine and trying to find somebody who's there for, for something real. And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I've, I've learned to kind of navigate that pretty well, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is helpful. Uh, but you know, it's, it is interesting. I'm often the single one and mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. You know, I have, I have mm-hmm. a lot of, I have, I have great friends and I know that, you know, something will happen when it's supposed to, and things have, and then they go mm-hmm. on the way. But I also, I'm, I'm kind of a weirdo in that I'm friends with the majority of my exes. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I, I'm such a firm believer that if, if nothing horrible happens, you know, obviously if something horrible happens and mm-hmm. you get someone out of your life, of course, but mm-hmm. you liked that person for a reason. Mm-hmm. You fell in love with them for a reason. They're in your life. You 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 had some. You care about them in some way. Mm-hmm. Just because you two didn't fit as a couple long term doesn't mean you have mm-hmm. to throw out the entire baby with the bathwater. You know, you you can still keep that friendship if you can both, you know, work through whatever it is and just understand that. Yeah, you know, we didn't work, but that's all right. I wish you all mm-hmm. the best. Don't you feel though that there's always one person that wants something more? Don't you think? Like in a relationship, like in general? No, no. If you've broken up, there's always, yeah. I feel like if there's two people and you've broken up and you, there's always one that I find it, it's hard to be friends with guys. I don't know. I feel that way. Don't you? Do you feel like one person, even if Kat doesn't want it, there might be a little hidden heartstrings still there from the guys. Mm. I don't know, but (laughs) (laughs) it's usually like I'm, I, in a lot of situations, I've not been the one to end the relationship Mm. in, in a a couple of them. And it it comes a point where you're like, okay, you know, I, I, we just didn't work. A lot of them have been mutual, honestly. Mm. And it comes a point where you're like, you know what? We just didn't, we didn't work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you want that person to be happy, at least from my perspective. I'm always like, I want you to be happy. I want mm. you to find somebody that is going to be what you want. I don't. <laughs> I want them to be miserable. I hope that they never find anyone like me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't, but I kind of do. 
I wouldn't say that I was like really, I, I'm not friends right away with somebody after I date them, but I'd say like maybe like five years down the road and like, yeah, you know, we could like, we could be like friendly or maybe like if we see each other out, like, hey there, you know, that hey there, I've seen hey you there. naked. <laughs> <laughs> and always- David's like, great. <laughs> and that's happened a few times because he, you know. <laughs> going to college at USC here, you know, he's wanted to do a few of my exes. And so yeah, it's always <laughs> 22 of them, yeah, exactly. all 22, No, <laughs> but it's so funny because it's, it's, um, yeah, it's always, it's always interesting, but too, like when you're so busy and you're like basically married to your work and you're on set all the time, maybe like in your peripheral vision right there. I mean, there it's all other actors, right? So is that oh like, is that like a thing? Like, do you guys like dating other actors or are you kind of like me? Like, I mean, I have dated mostly uh-huh. other actors just right. by nature of those are the people you meet. I, I have a rule that I don't date people I work with while I'm working with them. Mm-hmm. Good um, rule. Yeah. Well, I've seen that go wrong so many times. And especially when you're on a show for so many years, I've, I've watched a lot of those situations go horribly. It doesn't always, sometimes mm-hmm. it's amazing, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I try and avoid that because it can cause job. There's always after the job. Mm-hmm. If you really mm-hmm. like each other, you can date afterward. Yeah. I wish I had been good like that. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I find it hard, but I, I I actually don't think that I could date an actor. You don't think Be- so? But you yeah. have dated an actor. I, yeah, but Roxy, we're not. We're talking like a month of like you know smooching in the backseat. I mean, like we're talking like real deep relationships, yeah. love, future. Mm-hmm. Not that I think. I mean, I think being an actor is the best effing job in the world. Like I think it is just magnificent. It's magic. Mm-hmm. But put two people together <laughs> whose job it is to like be with other people on set and kiss other people and mm-hmm. be charismatic. And I don't know. I find like, yeah, sometimes it works. I, I, you see it works. I mean, yeah. we have, there's a lot of actors who marry each other. Um, mm-hmm. But I think there's, it always helps if the other person has like, even though my husband's a in the entertainment business, he's a director, he still has a more grounded job, I feel, than I do. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like his job is like, he has more of control of his job. You know, he can like do a job and then literally for two years be writing something and be home with the kids if you're thinking about your future and children. And I can be like flitting off like Bangkok one month and (laughs) Toronto the next month. It's almost like it gives you like more of a stability. I don't know. I don't know. I found it really hard to date other actors. And I do think that other actors, like there's an ego thing mm. and Kat can talk for this too. I think um, you have to have an ego because it's all about your face and your body and your connection with people. And it, you have to have a sense of ego within yourself, you know, but sometimes that can go a little too far. Yeah. Kat doesn't seem to have a big ego, but obviously <laughs> <laughs> you seem to have a very nice ego, but I think you find a lot of it on set. Mm-hmm. You do. I don't know. I've, I've, I've always looked at it in through the lens of character. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm there just to be my piece of the puzzle and to tell mm. the story and serve the mm-hmm. cocktail. And then between takes, make a fool of myself and entertain the crew. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's what I do. I'm there to, to just be my little piece. 
mm-hmm. and try and make everybody else's job easier in any way I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I mean, I grew up, you know, doing theater in Kansas City and that's the kind of theater where everyone does every job, whether you're an actor, you might be lighting the next show. You might be running mm-hmm. props the next show because mm-hmm. we just need people to do these jobs and we want to make, we want to tell stories and we want to make theater. So we just all get it done. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that taught me so much about what this industry can be mm-hmm. but I, I guess I kind of put a lot of that aside when it comes to mm-hmm. myself I'm mm-hmm. it's my midwestern self-deprecation but that definitely yeah definitely that life. helps and good family <laughs> and how you were raised and what you value and yeah. definitely I think how how you grew up is a lot to do with mm-hmm. being able to survive this business yeah. definitely And who you also have to talk to, you know, like I was very close to my parents. So when I was suffering, I had them to talk to. I didn't have to turn to drugs and alcohol and, and doing, you know, sex and like all these things because I was able to communicate, you know, and I didn't have to like drown out that pain through something else. So, yeah, I mean, I, you see it a lot, but I, I definitely think that you are going to go, you know, this amazing places and also be able to keep it together, which is mm-hmm. a huge part of it, you know, to be able to show up to work and, you know, have fresh, have slept and not been out the night before and, you know, making a, a scene on set, which we've all been, I mean, you said shadow hunters was great, but I've been on sets where I'm like, are we really doing this right now? There's people are throwing hissy fits, mm-hmm. you know, and, that happens. It happens a lot more than, than people talk about. And they don't want to, people don't want to work with production. doesn't want to work with those people anymore. Mm -hmm. So Kat, you'll be (laughs) stratosphere. (laughs) I'd hire you. Thank you. I mean, look, we've all seen our fair share of drama on set. That's just the nature of what happens sometimes, but equally, Again, I always go back to Shadowhunters and Arrow was Arrow was largely the same way, but you know, I felt like the new kid coming into the senior year of high school on that show. Mm-hmm. I came in season mm-hmm. seven of eight and was immediately welcomed. Mm-hmm. But Shadowhunters for me, I saw such an example from day one of mm-hmm. every single department. You know, we, we all know that a lot of times departments vie for resources and it can be very competitive and, and not necessarily beneficial to the process as a whole. Mm-hmm. On this show, there was some kind of magic where every mm. department put their ego aside and mm-hmm. I, props even made us a, a table, a round table on wheels that they would roll to every set because all of us actors would sit around the table all the time. And in between That's tables, so setting up shots during turnarounds, mm-hmm. we would all just be there talking and chatting and talk, discussing things. But then inevitably, there would end up being someone from the stunt department and someone from props and someone from wardrobe. And then the next director would come by and say, hi. And suddenly we were in a round table conversation where someone would go, oh, hey, you are doing this costume. I've got the stencil for that from this prop. Let me mm-hmm. give that mm-hmm. to you. And oh, you know, we've got this fight coming up and we've got a stunt performer coming in who their specialty is this weapon. Mm-hmm. And props goes, I can make that for you. Let's get mm-hmm. that done so they can do their thing. And the writer goes, wait, that weapon, they're doubling that character. I'll write that in the show and we can make a whole thing. And it just became this mm-hmm 
such a symbiotic process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it created the world. And I really think that's why our world on the show became so cohesive on screen Mm -hmm. because off screen, we were all a team and in the trenches together, whether it's three in the morning in Toronto and your hair's frozen Mm -hmm. and you've been out there for 12 hours and crying for 10 of them. And you literally can't see, Mm -hmm. but you know, the crew's got the shot Mm -hmm. and you know, they're just creating this bubble for you. And then you get to play. And it's, mm-hmm. it just creates such an immersive world and it's it's the biggest gift, but mm. it's the two polar opposite ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I wonder too, if that's like, because we're at a different time now, maybe where, you know, things are so much more on the, out in the open and discussed and like, you know, it's been brought to people's attention when things kind of negative negatively impact production and like different departments mm-hmm. and things like mm-hmm. that. So I wonder too, if that's maybe going forward, maybe we'll see more of, you know, cohesive sets like that, you know, where people are really kind of coming together. I mean, I hope so. Right. Yeah. You know, I have, I have such a distinctive memory too, of the first cast dinner we went to, mm-hmm. uh, we had, you know, Harry Shum, who had just come off of Glee, and Isaiah Mustafa, who is the old Spice guy and now has done so many <laughs> things, been in this industry working forever and has had every experience twice. Mm-hmm. They sat all of us kids down. I say kids, we weren't. I was the youngest. Anyway. And they <laughs> said, look, this show has a potential to go a long time and it has a potential for us to be spending a lot of time together. It can be horrible or it can be fantastic. So let's mm. make it good and let's make the effort and be friends and be real human beings and let's enjoy this. Mm. And from the outset, that was our goal was to be a team and to work together and to dive in and, and make this the best experience that it could be for everyone. And having mm-hmm. them as, as an example at 19 was the biggest gift. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Were you the... Um, forgive me that I don't know this. Were you the main lead of the show? Meaning the girl, was there any other girls that were on as many seasons as you were? There were. Or or was it you and all the boys? In my storyline, it was mostly me and the boys because there there were fewer girls than guys on the show. And Mm -hmm. my character was the catalyst. So a lot of my story was the love triangle and the family drama and all of the other stuff that didn't have to do with the ladies. Mm -hmm. We did, though, have some really incredible badass, (laughs) you know, girl power moments Mm -hmm. on the show. They were really cognizant to to build up. But I... I spent more time with the guys because they sort of spread the ladies out a lot of times in our, in our different, you know, all the different storylines, there was one of us doing something. <laughs> um, but it, it was, what that show did teach me as far as that is all of us were very different. None mm-hmm. of us were even close to being in the same lane. I mean, our show had such diversity in cast, in our characters, in mm-hmm. every respect. And mm-hmm. I, I loved seeing that because, especially with the women, because all of our female characters, whether they were good or evil, were empowered females and they were mm-hmm. complex and they had their own authority and and their own unique way of doing it. There wasn't just one kind of woman that yes. was strong and empowered and complex. It was every single one. Mm-hmm. And that was such a cool thing to look at and go, I wish I'd seen that as a young girl mm-hmm. to see that you don't have to be one particular way mm-hmm. to, to be the, as powerful as you want to be. You can be anything mm-hmm. and find mm-hmm find a way to access your power in your own way. 
Mm -hmm. Tam, did you have like a similar, like kind of cohesive experience on like pretty little liars? Would you say (laughs) (laughs) you're like, Hmm, next question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, look, I think that, um, I've been so blessed to be on a lot of different shows and some have that feeling and Mm -hmm. some don't have that feeling. Um, but I agree. I think that the shows that welcome everyone, um, no matter where they're placed in the show are the shows that are incredible to work on. Like even this, I just worked, um, this week on a, on a show out here in, in Queensland and my character is not the main character. I came and dropped in. Um, and it was incredible. I felt like I'd been there from day one, like from the makeup to the hair, like everyone was just so welcoming that I was like, so sad when my character wraps, you know? Mm. And I do think that people like Kat set, like she's the lead of the show. Like, I think that she sets the tone. So Mm. if I walked into Shadowhunters and Kat had been on the show for three years and I walked in, I'm sure she would have treated me wonderfully walking in. So it's, I really do believe it's up to the people who the leads of the show to set the tone Mm. when new people come in and out. I really do. So, you know, it just depends on, on what that is, but yeah. you know, the, 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 the acting world is business is you have some amazing sets and you have some ones that are more challenging, but that's mm-hmm. just how, how it is, you know? And it feels like it's ever changing too. And I think it's kind of changing hopefully for the yeah. good, like going forward, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, Kat, tell us before you leave, what's coming up yes. next? Where can people find you? Tell us your future. I wish I knew. Um, I have a lot of things that I can't talk about yet Mm -hmm. that are right on the precipice, but uh, I just got back from Vancouver and it's actually funny that you say that about coming into a show for one episode and or for a shorter period of time and feeling so welcome. I just went back and played my um, Green Arrow character on The Flash for an episode. Mm. And it was so lovely to go on a set that I had only been on tangentially and just instantly feel at home and feel welcome. And the whole crew and everybody was just, there were a few familiar faces, but just being welcomed, especially in the time of COVID when everyone's still masked and and you still can kind of feel like you belong for a short period of time. It, it was really lovely. Um, but The Flash is doing an amazing five episode Armageddon event. There's bad guys coming and they need to assemble people to save the world. And, you know, you can't on CW Arrowverse, you can't save the world without a green arrow. So <laughs> yeah, they came a call in and I was happy to oblige. Um, but no, it's, it's, I mean, that's a character that's been so special to me for a long time. And um, that should be coming out, I think in a month or two, mm-hmm. which will be really lovely to, to see. They just dropped a trailer the other day and there's so much I didn't see. I was curling like, <laughs> the whole time because um, there's it's just such an amazing community there too of all those superhero shows. You know, everybody yeah. takes such ownership of their character, and it's really beautiful to see all of these people mm-hmm. who are so busy and and are mm-hmm. trying to build their careers, but then they also are trying to protect Batwoman or or you know um, Superman or all the, the Flash and and all, mm-hmm. Supergirl and all of these mm-hmm. all of these folks are they really care. And they really mm-hmm. make an effort and take the time to, to build that. And, and you can see it on screen. What do you yeah. think that the fans will be surprised to see in that, um, in your performance on the crossover? Uh, well, you saw a glimpse of it in the, uh, in the trailer, but Mia spends a good portion. Mia is 
daughter of Oliver Queen, who was the original Green Arrow, she has a lot of her father's um, masculinity and a lot of her father's um, brood, broodingness, mm -hmm. roughness, and sort of lone wolf kind of nature to her. Mm -hmm. um, she spends a good part of it in a cocktail dress and heels, which is very different for her. So it was a bit like, I haven't played this character in almost three years. Now I'm in an entirely different environment. <laughs> mm -hmm. What am I doing? Um, but that's the fun of it. It's because again, they, these writers are amazing. They, her character's ever evolving mm -hmm. and they're, they're doing so much and really making the most of it. So I'm just, again, I'm grateful. I think that's mm -hmm. the name of the game. It's mm -hmm. almost Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> Thanksgiving. I haven't had Thanksgiving in so long. Because <gasps> of, you better yeah. celebrate it there in Australia. Are you I know. Going to? And then last yeah. year was COVID, and the year before we're in Australia. This has been three years. <laughs> we gotta get. You gotta get your eating on. You gotta, you gotta get my eating on. Well, Kat, thank you so much for being thank here. You. I know we've been trying to do this for a while, and we so appreciate it. Um, you are a bright light in this yes. world. So keep. Keep keep that, please. Please yes. don't change. <laughs> well, back at you. Please don't like let old age <laughs> yeah. wear you down Stop or you have kids one day. Don't let them wear you down. <laughs> ah, that's the fun of it. But thank you so much for having me. It's been so lovely chatting with you. Yeah. Thank you. And um, guys, please uh, go over to Women on Top Official on Instagram. And Women on Top Podcast on Facebook and the Women on Top group on Clubhouse. And please don't forget to rate, rate subscribe, subscribe, and comment on your favorite podcast app so we can keep bringing amazing guests like Miss Cat around. Amazing, guys. Thank you so much. We love you. And I am Tamin Sursock. And I am Roxy Manning. And we are... Women on top. <laughs> I gotcha. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.